0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, August 18th of 2020. It is always a pleasure, as we always say, and a delight to have our listeners come and to have you join us uh, for such a time like this, and uh, to be able to share uh, out of your time and take out of your time and be able to fellowship with us in the Word of God. We are so excited today. We got the whole crew back, <laughs> the whole uh, the whole uh, crew. We got the dream team back, <laughs> and uh, we're just uh, excited to have uh, brother Marty back with us. I know you were uh, out a couple of days, brother Marty, with your family, and um, yesterday, yeah. uh, Pastor Fernando and myself were holding the fort here. <laughs> Amen. You came. But uh, what a blessing we had yesterday in our, in our podcast, and, and what a blessing to have you here today. Uh, and we welcome our panel today, Brother Fernando, uh, Brother Marty, uh, to be able to study the Word of God. So, uh, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share uh, what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together.
1: Amen. Well, it's good to be back again today, uh,
0: after a few days off, and
1: uh, we're thankful to the Lord uh, for allowing us to have a little bit of time to uh, to try and re- regroup and, and seek the Lord as we continue to go forward and, and the direction that He wants us to take. As we uh, as we endeavor to hear from Him and and uh, and minister the Word to those that are interested, and we're so grateful to the listening audience and and for your families. We pray for you daily here in our hearts and uh, we thank you for uh, for your prayers for us as well and <clears throat> so when we left off last time oh and by the way i just wanted to say uh what a great job uh the brother fernando and brother jeremy did pastor jeremy did yesterday i was really blessed I got to hear uh the the teaching uh, in the morning early this morning and, and it really blessed my soul and and i almost felt like you know you you guys don't need me around you're doing fine on your own <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, but i thought i just we come.
0: Missed, we you. missed you
1: <laughs> i just felt like i should come back and pester you anyway cuz that's what that's what older brothers do right so right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, just, I was just really blessed and uh, and we're going to continue you know going forward and and uh in these words and and uh, and return to our uh, studies on jeremiah uh as as you were yesterday exploring it from uh, from Psalm chapter 2 very profound and very powerful uh insights that God gave yesterday and uh and we're looking forward to uh, to today and and the and the balance of our week so uh with that in mind as we can continue our studies in Jeremiah we're going to look at a prophecy today that God gave to Jeremiah insight that he gave um, and, and we'll get into it, uh, here in a second after Brother Jeremy, uh, reads to us, if, if he would mind. Uh, we're in Jeremiah chapter 24. We encourage those of you that are listening to have your Bibles and follow along. And, uh, and, and let's, let's get into the word of God in Jesus name. Brother Jeremy, would you read, uh, Jeremiah 24 verse one through, uh,
0: three? And, and then we'll get started, Lord willing. Amen. The Lord showed me and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jochaniah, the son of Joachim, king of Judah, and the prince of Judah, with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs even like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, figs. The good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten. They are so evil.
1: My goodness. Uh, what Jeremiah saw was in verse one, he he says two baskets of figs and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. These two baskets of figs uh, that he saw and uh, we're picking up this prophecy uh, in between two Kings. Uh, one was Jehoiakim, which we've been studying in Jeremiah chapter 26 as Jeremiah delivered the word in the, in the courtyard of the Lord. And, and, kicked up a great stir, which we encourage you to go back and review those podcasts. Uh, and and uh, But after Je- Jehoiakim was deposed, his son, uh, Jeconiah, uh, became king. And after Jeconiah was Zedekiah, right? So <clears throat> the interim and, and what we're seeing here, Jeremiah identifies to us uh, the time when he has this vision, uh, really what the Lord asks him to see in what he saw. And what he saw was the two baskets of figs that he says that were set before the temple of the Lord uh, in verse one. Now, I want you to pay attention to that because that's very key to the prophetic insights that we're going to gain today. You know, so today, as we continue our studies in Jeremiah's prophecies, what we want to look at and the reason that we continue to look at the prophets, like Brother Fernando said yesterday, you know, Peter told us. In the last days, that what would be paramount for us to begin to explore and begin to study uh would be the words that were written by the prophets and the apostles uh, and so that we were we were meant to really dig into the prophetic scriptures, and so that's what we're doing because we are living in prophetic times, and there are many many parallels between ancient Judah and the American Church. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you remember one of our podcasts in, in the past, uh, we, we, we covered a little bit of early American history and how the early settlers uh, they, they proclaimed this land that we're living on right now a, a new Israel, you know, a, a new promised land, which is really interesting, right? That they would call it that, they would see it as that, and in effect, it really is uh, the most beautiful country on the face of the earth. You could see how they could call it a new Israel or a new promised land Uh, from sea to shining sea. You know, we're we're the breadbasket of the world. We were the most and are the most blessed nation on the face of the earth, as was Judah and Israel in their day, in in their particular region of the world. They lived in in the promised land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. So the parallels are very, very uh, striking. And so we study these events, and I want you to remember that, that we're studying these events and these historical accounts with that in mind. Because, like we said, the parallels are very striking, and the history of it, if you can receive it, it foreshadows in-time events, culminating, as we will see in the coming days, hopefully in weeks, uh, with with many parallels that, are, that flourish and become their full expression in the book of Revelation. And so we need to remember this about the fall of Judah, because when we read the prophets, or specifically Jeremiah, like we talked about before, he's the prophet who was raised up by God over a series of, of two or three decades, really, to 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 view and to witness the culmination of all the prophetic warnings that had gone before on Judah at Israel. God had sent prophets early on as they began to decline as a nation, and he began to warn them and warn the priests and the prophets that they were leading the people in the wrong direction and that the people themselves were becoming practicers of all the heathenistic, paganistic practices around them. They became a people that were practiced professionally in the religion of Yahweh, in the religion of, of God, but but they were also in their private lives living like the rest of the world and so after year after year and decade after decade of declining into such a state that they actually felt no conviction and no compulsion to change their ways and instead they would come into the house of god and and they would worship God at the at the festivals and they would offer their offerings they would go into the synagogues on the sabbath but none of it at that point just as they were beginning to enter in and cross over the threshold where the prophetic time clock for their generation began to tick none of it changed their lives they were able to come into those those congregations and into those worship services and and feel no conviction and and as they got closer to judgment <laughs> the there was an increase and, and an exponential increase of, of false prophets false priests and false teachers a corruption of the political leadership and the religious leadership a corruption all the way through and through and as they got closer to to judgment and the clock of judgment beginning to tick that would ultimately uh you know end with with the destruction of of judah jerusalem and, and the burning down of the temple by nebuchadnezzar you see an increase of prophets that were false, of of the distortion of the word of God. Like Isaiah would say in his day, the people had come to the place where they would say, "Look, what we want you to teach us are nice, happy things. We don't want you warning us. We don't want right. We don't want you, to, you know, bringing a hard word to us. You know, we don't want you to correct us. As a matter of fact, we want you to take away from our eyes the holy one of Israel. We don't want that standard put before us." And they encouraged their righteous prophets to turn their message. They encouraged the good men of God uh to, to to not be so intense. That's that's the culture that they had evolved into. And so when Jeremiah comes on the seed, it's after those great prophets had gone before him and had warned of, of this impending judgment if they didn't turn from 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 following the ways of the world. Some people would think that's really harsh, right? That that God would treat people that way, and you know, what's the big deal? But but we we tend to for we tend to forget that that it, you know these were a people that were brought out of slavery. There was no nation like them on the face of the earth. The Gentile nations of the world were just that. They were pagan, heathenistic, involved in the grossest of I- idolatrous practices. But they were without the word of God. They knew of him, but they didn't serve him. You know, they were, they were, they were us. That's who we are. That's who we were before we got saved. We were just Gentiles in the world and without God in the world until we, we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our savior and became part of the family of God grafted in the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10 and 11 into the olive tree, into the, uh, the Israel of the Bible, and so <laughs> what we see here now is that these people are dealt with in this way by God precisely because they had the light of the uh, of the gospel of their day. They had the Torah. They had great prophets like Isaiah and Hosea. And in, in Israel's case, they had Elijah and Amos, and go down the list: Micah, Joel, you know, Zechariah, Haggai. All these great prophets. But when Jeremiah shows up on the scene and when God selects to bring him forth, he would become a unique prophet because he would be the prophet who would witness the prophecies that had gone before him come to pass in his time and upon his generation. Jesus described it as the generation of his wrath. When God selects a generation out of the course of human history and and lays the sins of 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 the history up till that point upon a particular generation almost as if they have flourished now and become the full expression of rebellion uh coupled with the inability to reach their hearts anymore for their hearts their minds and their behavior have created calluses between them and the influence of the holy spirit and that's where they find themselves and so when we read these prophecies of Jeremiah, what we were actually seeing is the prophet to whom God raised up in the midst of the judgment that was to come. And he would see the fulfillment of the words that, that the prophets of old had had given. And in the midst of not only having those prophecies fulfilled, which would come to rest upon their generation leading with their captivity and their destruction, he also received prophecies bringing precision and word in the midst of judgment unfolding this is an important thing to understand because as we said earlier as they got closer to the ultimate judgment where they would be led captive and those that remain would be destroyed and the temple burnt to the ground you see an increase of powerful false prophets rising multitudes of them but you only see one jeremiah one Habakkuk, one Uriah. These were other prophets at the same time, Jeremiah being the most prominent of them. And so what are you saying? I'm saying just what Jesus said. In the last days, what we would witness would be many false anointed ones, many false prophets arising. And claiming many things, but they're actually interjected, and this is very interesting because they're interjected into a culture that is on the brink of judgment to further the deception. And while their numbers grow, the true prophets of God decrease to where it's only a handful. And so Jeremiah is one of those prophets, and he was raised up at this time to witness the fall of Judah to witness the fall of Jerusalem and to witness the destruction of the temple mount itself and, and the glorious temple, uh, of David, you know, he, he's the one who designed it. Solomon built it, but I like to call it David's temple really, but that's, that's for another day. So with that in mind, you know, understand that the fall of Judah, it occurred over a 22 year period. We've already been discussing in our previous podcast, the King Jehoiakim. Came. He rose up after a, a, a brief period of national, what appeared to be a national awakening or a national revival under King Josiah. Josiah would die on the fields of Armageddon, and then then there would be an interim king, and then would come Jehoiakim. He was installed, as we've talked about, by Pharaoh Nico II who came down and and uh and and through his military campaigns ended up capturing Jerusalem and installing Jehoiakim as a king as long as he paid tribute and taxes to Egypt uh everything was well but in the in in the in the wings when this began to happen uh there was a new power that was rising one that would be symbolic uh and and a foreshadow for our time that would be Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian empire he was in the wings he was rising but when jeconiah took power all the uh the the good things that king josiah his grandfather had done before him all the removing of the altars all the removing of the false idols all the cleansing of, of the nation of judah as a whole, he he went back and reversed course and began to pollute the nation and lead the nation back into the same level of debauchery as his uh, great-great-grandfather Manasseh had done so many years before. And so it began when he ascended the throne from the time that Jehoiakim ascended the throne until the ultimate destruction of the temple, of Jerusalem, and Judah itself. It was only going to be a 22-year period. Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years, followed by Jeconiah, which which this prophecy references Jeconiah, followed by Zedekiah. Now, what's interesting about Jeconiah and why we're going to focus on that in the next few moments here is because Jeremiah identifies that he had this vision. Could you read that again, Brother Jeremy, in verse 1 24
0: 1? Yes. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive. Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the prince of Judah, with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon.
1: So, so Jeremiah is identifying this particular vision that he saw. Uh, basically, it wasn't a vision. He actually saw these two baskets of figs and where they were set, which was before the sanctuary or before the Holy of Holies, uh, and the holy place in the Holy of Holies, uh, that's the temple. That's actually the word for sanctuary. But then he identifies it that it's after Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive Jeconiah. What's interesting about this is that Jeconiah, after Jehoiakim had been killed, he was installed as the king and Nebuchadnezzar came down. His rule and his reign, that is Jeconiah, was only uh, three months and several days. It It was less than four months, maybe three and a half months, maybe three months and a week, somewhere in there. There's a little debate, but no more than three and a half months. This is important. Put it on the shelf in your thinking. Cut and paste it. We'll come back to it because it's important to understand. Because we're going to see if if you'll follow along with us. Those of you who've been following our podcast, you're you're used to this kind of thinking now, how the spirit speaks. But that's an important thing to note that a that that a captivity occurs, and 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 Jeremiah identifies another time period, he 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 speaks of baskets of figs. Those two things are clues to us as to the times and the seasons when these things occurred. And if the Lord will allow us to, we're going to see striking and eerie parallels between the two things that Jeremiah points out there and what we're discussing today. So again, we pick up this prophecy uh, that Jeremiah has and what he begins to describe in Jeremiah 24 uh in between the the fall of Jehoiakim, the rise of Jeconiah, the carrying away captive by Nebuchadnezzar after a three month and a week time period of Jeconiah's rule, and then the transfer over to the final king, which is Zedekiah, whose whose rule would also be just one decade and a year until the absolute destruction would finally come. Now remember all those things as we get into this because Again, like we said, this prophecy occurs after Nebuchadnezzar's first incursion into Judah. It resulted in Jeconiah and the people being carried away, carried away, captive into Babylon. Now, these are very interesting points to note. And and if we are seeing parallels, uh, then then we should see them here. Prophetic parallels, metaphors uh, between Judah then, and is it possible we can see the same pattern occurring in the American church in America now? Now, let's consider this, uh, and we're going to date some things. Remember what Jeremiah said. Uh, Could you read that again, Brother Jeremy,
0: in verse 1? Yes. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon had carried away captive Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah and the Judah. Okay, right of there, Judah. that's good. Yeah, let's start let's stop right
1: there because that's where we have the identifying date. First he says what I see he draws our attention to the basket the two baskets of fruit and where they're located. Now, we're going to see something interesting in a little bit, but I'll just throw it out there ahead of time what he's referencing there is is very interesting because uh first of all he identifies them as figs and when you do your study on this what you'll find is that is that these figs um were 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 part of the summer harvest or a harvest that occurs in the summer and so when he talks about the baskets being set before the temple they represent an offering to the Lord or an offering a first fruits offering of the summer harvest. And the summer harvest gives way into the major feasts, the final feasts that occur in, in in the feasts of Israel and why they're important we'll explore in a second. So when he begins to see this this summer harvest of figs, he first then draws our attention that when he saw them, was after that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. That's another identifying uh, little piece of the puzzle there. It's important for us to understand, uh, by the way that he wrote it, because he's trying to communicate it that way to it, that it was important for us to understand that he didn't see uh, the two baskets of figs until after the initial captivity, because there was two remember there was the first captivity which occurred under under jeconiah and then there was the ultimate destruction that occurred which ended the rule and the reign of the kings of judah burning the temple to the ground and this is very significant because jeremiah's turning our attention to this particular time period now he says something that it was that that jeconiah had been carried away captive uh by nebuchadnezzar and so this brings us to another identifying marker. We I did some studies and background and historical research on when did this actually take place? When did the captivity actually take place? And brothers, it blew me away. <laughs> because, remember, we're talking about parallels here. This carrying away captive of Jeconiah, and there's a list given here, right? It's Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, the princes of Judah with the carpenters and the smiths or the blacksmiths, right? That, that And then there's actually another list. Let's take a look at that list real quick before I tell you what I'm going to tell you here. Turn over to the second Kings, would you, Brother Jeremy, yes. so you can read this to us? The second Kings yes. gives us a list of, of actually how many people were taken in this this that we're referencing here. Um and in in uh in second Kings twenty four, are you there, brother?
0: I'm here.
1: So let's read verse eleven through fifteen.
0: Okay. <clears throat> and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city and his servants did besiege it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his son. No, children.
1: Jehoiakim, it's written in 2 Kings as Jehoiakim, but but it's actually, that's actually referencing uh, Jeconiah. It's just the way the
0: translators
1: okay. uh, wrote his name there, but he, this is actually
0: Jeconiah. So go ahead, brother. And he says, so his servants and his princess and his officers... And the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. And he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon king of Israel had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said. And he carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor even ten thousand captives and all the craftsmen and smiths, none remained, save the poorest sort of the sort of the people of the land. And he
1: carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the king's mother, the king's wives, his officers, the mighty of the land; those carried he kept captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to verse six, 16. Can you read verse 16, brother Jeremy?
0: Yes. And all the men of might, even 7,000 and craftsmen and smiths a thousand, all that were strong and apt for war, even them the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon.
1: So what we're witnessing here in this description of this of this list that is given in 2 Kings is is what what was taken captive and it's important to note because these that were taken captive would be the ones who would survive and it's important to note that what was taken captive was the best of the best right right i mean the right. princes the mighty men of valor the craftsmen the smith you know uh except for what in verse 14 he says Nobody was left behind except for the poorest sort of the people of the land. And remember that, because it's a very symbolic thing, what was left behind. Because remember this, what's left behind is all going to be totally judged. That is why Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet, because he witnessed not only the initial captivity and the best of Judah being taken away, But he would also witness at the end of the reign of Zedekiah the ultimate destruction of the temple of Judah and Jerusalem. And he would sit upon the ruins of the burnt down buildings and the stones and and he would weep and he would cry as everything that he had been warning and warning and his predecessors, the great prophets of Judah, had been warning had now come to fruition. And so what we're seeing here is a separation taking place. And it's very interesting, as Jeremiah will go on in his prophecy that he's about to reveal to us, and what he saw in the two baskets of figs set before the temple, is he initially is speaking by the language of the Spirit to alert us that what we are witnessing is a separation between good figs and bad figs, as he went on to describe. And so I just wanted to give that list, and we can turn back to Jeremiah 24, because you know, there there's some very interesting points to note here. And again, we're talking about prophetic parallels because I see a prophetic parallel in in Judah and in America. Both of them have been have been peoples that, 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 that were called uh peoples of God. Both of them uh were given a promised land that flows with milk and honey. And both of them came under judgment as we find ourselves right now, I believe, and we believe. America has begun to enter into its last days. And I don't say that with joy, but I do say it in this sense that the country that we have seen and known to this point, when when we all emerge out of this, and listen to what I'm telling you, it is never going to be the country that we once knew ever again. Right. There is things that have happened and that, that there's really no turning back from. There are things that have been set in motion that there is no turning back from. And and unless the Lord comes, now, I'm not saying that God can't, you know, put a pause button and, and everything's going to be all right. But brothers and sisters, for that to occur, would require that that the nation as a whole would admit its sin. God's people, that is. Those that go by his name would admit their sin and would 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 call out to god in weeping and fasting and genuine biblical repentance like joel said it it might be that at that time he might turn and leave a blessing (laughs) and he calls for the prophets and the priests and, and and the and the sages and the elders uh to weep between the porch and the altar in 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 chronicles 7 14 where he says if my people uh, will, will humble themselves and, and turn from their wicked ways, right, and seek my faith and pray. Then, he said, I will hear from heaven. So there's, a, there's something that we need to do as a nation that all up until this 2020 and seven months in, I just don't hear that kind of preaching coming from the pulpits of the national ministers and international ministers of this country. As Brother Fernando and Brother Jeremy so uh, beautifully uh, expounded on yesterday, that the preachers are wishy-washy. They're going from one idea to one dream to one vision to to one concept to another, but none of them have the word from the Lord. Because right. and this is this is indicative and this is a signal and a sign to us that we have come into this place. Like we talked about earlier, just before the judgment, the ultimate judgment that came upon the nation. Uh, The increase of false prophets and and false anointed ones, those that were claiming to be the servants of God and that that they were falsely so, it it grew exponentially. And the true became incredibly rare so that the only accounts we really have in the scripture are are, are people like Jeremiah, Uriah, and Habakkuk. I mean, really, of this time frame, three in the face of thousands. Very similar today. Uh, okay, so let's go back to, uh, and, and look and you guys jump in anytime you want now this is we're going back to Je- Jeconiah now because uh, his captivity occurred in in jeremiah chapter twenty four one as I did uh, research on the history here his captivity occurred uh <laughs> according to to many scholars both both uh both Gentile and Jewish scholars it occurred on on the tenth of Nisan does anybody remember anything about the 10th of Nisan? Think about it.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm thinking Esther.
1: Well, that's true too. Yeah. That occurred in the same season. It was it was <laughs> it was Passover. Right, but, right. Now think about this. Their captivity began during the Passover season. And we're looking for parallels
0: now, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm.
1: It was during the Passover season that that whole list I had Brother Jeremy read in 2 Kings 24, where the best of the best were taken captive. But when Jeremiah saw the two baskets, it was a few months later. And and as we'll see in verse four, there seems to be an interim time from when he actually saw the baskets, the two baskets of fruit and the actual revelation of what those two baskets of fruit meant, what he was, what God was trying to tell him. And we'll talk about that in a second. Now, let's take a look at this. The captivity occurred during the Passover season. And the parallel that we see there is that the same thing has taken place under our current captivity if you go back a little bit here in 2020 the actual decree for a national lockdown uh, which was only supposed to be 15 days remember yes <laughs> we're like yes. we're like 100 days into that now plus right but right but it actually occurred at the onset of, of 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 the easter or passover season right our captivity and the parallel is there but let's take a look at this understand this is important to understand who this Nebuchadnezzar is for 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 matters of our of our prophetic studies here he's a foreshadow of that antichrist and his system that is yet to come remember uh Nebuchadnezzar is a perfect type of the antichrist because he's the one who who erected a golden image right then demanded that everybody exclusively worship this golden image he's a, he's a dominating global power He's symbolic in many ways, uh, or or a type of the original Antichrist figure, which was Nimrod. Both of them set up, uh, one, his tower, that is Nimrod, uh, in the plains of Shinar. And and Nebuchadnezzar did the same things in the plains of Dura. It's it's in the territory of Shinar. He set up his image. You'll find that in Genesis 10 and 11 uh, concerning Nimrod, and in Nebuchadnezzar's case, Uh, I believe it's what is that Uh, chapter 3 of Daniel I believe it is is where he sets up his image in the plains of Dura and so he's a foreshadow of the Antichrist so what we see in the captivity of Judah is a hint at what what was yet to come thousands of years later which we believe has come to rest now in our time that same spirit that same imposing spirit that that is that is seeking to take the whole world under its dominion it first comes against uh the people of god it it it, it, it is beginning to come against us now and understand like we said he's a type of the antichrist and his system to come so keep that in mind as we go through this what did he go after we just read the list right in second kings 24 yeah. uh, in That's jeremiah what 24 best. what were you say, brother?
0: But he took the best of the best. He took the the best of the best. Yes, right. (laughs) That's right.
1: And so we have to ask this question because remember, what we're about to see is that Jeremiah likens the best of the best to the good figs. And when we finish Mm -hmm. our study today, we'll see that the other basket contained bad figs. And so he's referencing. The poorest of the people that were left behind. Now we're looking at this in a spiritual context, so don't think poor in terms of not having enough money to, you know, in their pocket. We're talking about the quality of people that was left behind up mm-hmm. under this captivity and this incursion of this Antichrist spirit and what it was designed to do and what God is able to do in the midst of it is what we're exploring. so what did he go after? He went after the princes of Judah. Who are these princes of Judah, by the way? Well, that's what we've been studying in Jeremiah 26. These are the princes that came out to protect Jeremiah, if you remember, and and we haven't gone through that whole story. Maybe we'll look at it tomorrow or the next day, but Mm -hmm. when the princes of Judah came out under his preaching, uh, they actually, along with the elders of that point, were the ones that were instrumental in preserving Jeremiah's life because the false prophets and the false priests wanted to have him killed, remember? That he should surely die for his prophecies. Yeah. So when you right. st- when you so when you so these quality of the princes of Judah were men who who at least could respond to the word of God. So first he goes after uh God ordained leadership. Princes of Judah. The second thing he goes after are the carpenters and the smiths, right? That's what it says in verse one, twenty-four, one. Yes. He takes the leadership. He takes the carpenters and the smiths, and we know there's a whole other list of people that they were the best of the best. But Jeremiah draws our our, our attention to this now. And now, who are these carpenters? What are they? Uh, what we see here is 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 a is a type of how the enemy. Uh, will attack and and how he goes after uh, God's church, God's people, and even us in our own private lives. The first in the list is the princes of Judah. And if we're trying to exegete this and apply it to our own personal lives to begin with, is the first thing that the enemy always goes after is the rulership of Christ in your life. The yes. princes of Judah represent this. That antichrist spirit, like you were talking about yesterday, brother Fernando, when you mentioned this, uh, why do the heathen rage and why do the people imagine a vain thing? Right, the kings and and their counselors uh, take, you know, uh, have a council together, seeking to throw off the Lord and His anointed. Right, to remove the anointed. And you mentioned it yesterday, brother Jeremy, uh, how that the anointed that's being referred to is the king that is set on his throne in, in the holy hill of Zion. Right, it's referencing Jesus. Yes. And yes. so what we have being revealed here, and if you can see it, and if you can receive it, because we're looking at prophetic parallels between Judah and latter-day United States of America, particularly the church within America, the real church within America, what has the attack turned to? What are we seeing rising? What is, what is the effect of this spirit that has overtaken the nation? The the, the rioters, you know, the crazy ones that are out there looting, burning, they're going after the authority of of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the first declaration of their leader, those of you who have been paying attention to the news, was that he he relegated the Lord Jesus Christ to a white European, right? He began Mm -hmm. to attack Christ. And and it's always the first thing that the spirit of Antichrist goes after. And what he's gone after in this country right now is the authority and the rulership. Just like Nebuchadnezzar in the days of Judah, first in the list that Jeremiah points out, he mentions the princes of Judah. Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. David was of the tribe of Judah. Mm. Jesus is called the son of David in the Gospel of Matthew, son of Abraham. And so what we see here is a very interesting thing and something that we can individually look at and focus on, that the first thing that that spirit of the enemy seeks to go after is 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 that, that symbol of the rulership of our own lives, which is supposed to be Christ Jesus. He tries to bring him and remove him out of the scene to take the authority away uh, from the people of God and the house of God. The second thing he removed was the carpenters
0: For the Why? Body. Um, ahead, brother. you know, I just wanted to say something about leadership too uh Jesus would begin his ministry at the age of thirty, right, and yeah. we see throughout his ministry that he was he they wanted to kill him uh you know finding ways to see if he you know how he would uh fail in word or or something like that. And these attacks did not happen at the end of the min- of his ministry. It began the moment he began his ministry. Mm-hmm. They tried they began to try to kill him. They began to attack him. So this wasn't something that he experienced towards the end of his ministry. It just got worse, but we see that from the beginning of his ministry, you know, Jesus was attacked. And so I just wanted yeah, to make amen. that parallel you know with well, what you're yeah. saying.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see that. I mean, you know, in, in a sense, that's, you know, he presents himself as king, right? I mean, and that's the first thing they do is try to remove him as king, you know, and when he came and, and and uh, I mean, he was heralded as the Messiah, which was tantamount to being called the king of the Jews. And so, yes, right. absolutely. Uh, but here, as again, don't lose sight of what we're talking about here. We're talking about this initial captivity because Jeremiah isn't even discussing the baskets of fruits yet, right? He simply states what he saw set before the temple, and then he goes right in to uh, identifying Jeconiah and that whole list that you read in 2 Kings chapter 24 of the best of the best. What do they represent, just to cut to the chase, and the parallel, the prophetic parallel that we're seeing, is that the best of the best of God's people have found themselves under captivity right now, and they're going to stay there. (laughs) They're going to stay there. It's not going to end with that, but as we go on in this, what' we're, what we could conceivably be witnessing, brothers, because Jeremiah identified two baskets of fruit: one were good, one were bad. It is conceivable that what we're witnessing up under this intended incursion of the spirit of the age, of the demonic spirit of antichrist that's flowing across the world right now. Is that God in in essence is moving by his spirit to separate in the midst of it the best of the best from the evil and unedible, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. The good figs and the bad figs. Because remember the captivity that took them away actually became the very thing that preserved them.
0: Right. Are you hearing?
1: (laughs) Because the destruction came on who was left behind. Right. Not who was taken captive.
0: Right. That's good. Now listen. (laughs) Wow.
1: How we look at what we're going through right now is vital. And that's what Jeremiah was beginning to express in Jeremiah 24. He starts by making a a distinct difference between two baskets, and then when he begins to <laughs> see, I know where I'm going, so I'm just laughing. <laughs> then he begins to make a distinction between the good and the bad figs as we go on the uh, second and third verse, but. But he starts identifying his reflection. Right, I saw two baskets of figs, and they're set before the temple. Why this is important is because of what we talked about earlier. When do you present figs before the Lord? It's called first fruits. There's two kinds of first fruits. There's the first fruits of Pentecost, which is the feast that we celebrate, right, or the church celebrated. But there's also the first fruits of the figs. And they occur in the summer. They are, the, they are the, the, the figs that begin to ripe from that which was sown earlier in the year, and they present it before the Lord. It's a marking of the conclusion or the leading up to the conclusion of summertime. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but then it followed by that first fruits or the presenting of the first fruits of the figs in front of the temple comes the successive feasts: the Feast of Trumpets, the Ten Days of Awe, the Day of Atonement, which then gives <laughs> gives way to the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so so what Jeremiah is trying to identify to us is that when he begins to unfold the meaning of the captivity, which are the ones who are going to be preserved, the best of the best. And when they return, as he goes on, and we're talking prophetic parallels here. They're going to return to a new Jerusalem, a rebuilt Jerusalem. <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So, listen. So, <laughs> his reflective process began in August. Mm. All right. Yes. Yes.
0: What, what month are we in? August. Uh huh. But
1: just keep that on the side there because it's very important as to how it relates to us. Because the question's being, haven't we said this to each other over the last month or so as summer began? It seems like we're in a lull. We're really not, but it seems that way at times. Like, what's going on? There doesn't seem like something's not really going on. There was all this stuff we got hit with. And then there's just kind of this. You know things are happening, but there's this sense that there's almost like a pause, and right. then comes an then comes an unfolding because that's what Jeremiah is about to say. And I know this is difficult for some, but listen, go back and listen to what we're saying, and 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 contemplate what we're saying, and and look and study the very things that we're saying here. When he sets the figs or, or draws our attention to the figs before the temple, he says it's after the captivity. And what he's going to unfold as we get into it is to explain to us what those two baskets of figs mean. But we need to understand that the understanding of what the two baskets of figs mean didn't come until Jeconiah and the best of the best were taken captive by Babylon, by Nebuchadnezzar. Now listen. So he first atta- or, or takes captive the princes of Judah. He's, he's trying to spiritually speak to us, although this is an actual thing that happened as the Holy Spirit had Jeremiah write it it's to identify what what that spirit of antichrist goes after and and not so much that that he separates it from us but he separates it from those that will be left behind so even though it's it's an intent of the devil to bring about harm you see if you can see the the incredible sovereignty of the holy spirit protecting his people in the midst of what is meant to be a horrible thing right because, because, the princes of Judah went with the people of the captivity. They didn't stay behind. He emptied the city. Now remember, everything's in God's control, right? He emptied the city of the best of the best. Remember who was included in the prince of Judah? The princes of Judah. People like Daniel. People like Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael. You mentioned Esther. Mordecai was one of the princes of Judah. Ezekiel was one of the princes and priests of Judah. These all were removed in a captivity in order to be preserved because after they were gone, all that was left was an absolutely corrupted place of false leadership, false prophets, false we know the prophet that remained, right? Hananiah, you were talking about him yesterday, Brother Jeremy, and you guys can read that, uh, those that are out there in, in Jeremiah 27. That false prophet who was preaching to everybody that, that that captivity that had taken place was about to be overturned, right? And they were going to return. Everybody's going to return. And we're going to have this great awakening, this great revival. Nebuchadnezzar is going to be defeated. That's what they were saying, right? That's, that's the kind of quality of minister that was left. Wow. Oh. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts so far, or are you still listening? Amen. Good stuff. <laughs> okay, now listen. So we got the princes, and we could go out at length about the princes of Judah. But don't forget, you got Daniel, Ezekiel, Mordecai, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael amongst them. Which are what? What is this saying? Let me just throw this out there. This captivity we're under, it, it, and and what we're seeing in the parallels, it 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 seems and appears to be the way Jeremiah is writing it. Is what he was saying was that God was going to remove those who wouldn't attempt to resist it. They right. under right. They understood yeah. something that it had to be. I mean, time was up. In other words. You know what I mean? I mean it was over. Yes. It was just a matter of time from now, where the ultimate judgment would come. But there's this brief period where the best of the best come under a captivity, and what looks like a terrible thing was actually what God would say about it. Would you read us verse six, a uh, verse five, brother Jeremy of twenty four five? What did God say about the captivity?
0: The He's thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the uh, Chaldeans for their for good for what? For their, their good. good. Right? Yes. Yes. For their good. And I will set you know, my I,
1: eyes I will set my eyes upon them for good. Go ahead, brother Jerry.
0: You know, I, I'm trying to put myself in the place of all these false prophets and the people. It looks, and please help me with this word, unfathomable. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah.
0: That God would be speaking through Jeremiah, because Jeremiah is pretty much telling telling them stay where you're at. You know. You know. Uh, go. You know. Uh, you're gonna be captive, but God is still gonna build you up. He's gonna he's not gonna destroy you, you know? And yes. it's like th- that's not the that's not what they're hearing. It's that's like not what, what the false prophets like whoa 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 what are you saying? Right. You know, the guy yeah. that I serve delivers and he's gonna come and, and, and stamp on these Babylonians and blah blah blah. But but he's telling them the very opposite of what they are listening to. That's why I, I, I wrote this down. What you just said, brother Marty, and and you said, be you you said it actually, and, and brother Fernando brought this yesterday, uh, the last Tuesday, you exhorted the, the church and said, be careful who you are listening to.
1: Yes.
0: Be careful who you're <laughs> getting your information from because it can very very well lead to your destruction. And and with Jeremiah, what God was asking to of the people through Jeremiah was pretty much telling them, you know, stay on that captivity. I will prosper you in the midst of that. I will pluck you. My He's goodness. telling them he's telling them almost encouraging them, be not afraid of the king of Babylon, whom yeah. you are afraid. Because they were in fear, right? Because yeah. he says, I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. I will show right. mercies in the midst of this captivity that's coming, church. God. God is speaking to us right now church uh, you that are listening i know what's coming and it it doesn't sound pretty but god is saying i will have mercy upon you
1: praise god but
0: don't listen to these false prophets that are tell you that another awakening is coming that there is revival and and blah 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 but you were telling us about what these bethel people were doing and and setting up camps over there Portland and and seeing this as a new fresh move of god baloney yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're, I think they're in their 83rd day of protesting and looting, and, and they they almost killed a young man the other night. You know, they're burning stuff yeah. down. They're fighting against the guy. I don't think their revival is having too much of an impact right now in Portland, but that's for another day, right? But, but you're hearing it. That's exactly right, Brother Jeremy. That's exactly what the Spirit of God is saying, so we think, in this story. And if the parallel and the pattern is holding true, then it's quite conceivable that what God is telling the best of the best is people, is recognize that the time has come. You're not going to be able to resist Nebuchadnezzar and the system. It's coming. It's begun. And if you try to resist it and you try to fight against it, you're not gonna be along very long you're not gonna be around very much longer. I'm trying to protect you. And I'm trying to protect you by revealing my word to you. In other words, you know, this actually happened to them. I mean, they were carried away into Babylon, but we're talking about the spirit of it. We're talking about the yeah. metaphor of it. We're talking about the pattern of it. Because in essence, the whole world is coming up under the dominating spirit of the Antichrist and his system. That's what's driving these people right now. That's what's happening around the world. Our focus for the purposes of our study has been on the United States of America and the church within it. And how Jeremiah saw the church of his day was separated into two different baskets, both of them being presented before the Lord, only one of them being acknowledged by God as the ones that he will set his eyes upon for their good. And that what's actually taking place by all that was being imposed upon them was an inability to engage in all the things they had engaged in before, but they submitted to it. And and subsequently, in the few years that were ahead, what they would witness would be the destruction of those who resisted, all the false prophets. All the poor of the people, so to speak, poor in spirit, poor in in, in fellowship with God, poor in the way they conducted their lives, and a leadership that was going to lose its life. And we'll get into that in a second. But understand, again, (laughs) this first captivity included some of the most godliest people in the world that the world had ever seen. Daniel, Ezekiel, Mordecai, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Why? Because God was taking the good figs, if you will, away from the bad figs, but he was including amongst the good figs, hallelujah, his real prophets, so that the people who would go up under this and would recognize this wouldn't be left alone without ministry or ministers that had the heart of God.
0: Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs>
1: so the parallel, right? The the American church and, and, and America's current captivity, and like we talked about earlier, it began in force during the Passover season, during the Easter season of March and April, just like Jeconiah and all those that were carried, the best of the best that were carried away captive, their captivity took place at the same time frame as ours has. Ours has taken place at the same time as theirs has, and we're looking for prophetic pattern and parallel, applying the same God who's the same yesterday, today, for and forever with the same way that he will act throughout history. And it's quite possible. What makes what we're going through different is a Nebuchadnezzar-like system is arising. We've always had... You know, judgments and victories and so forth and so on, but we have never in the history of the world seen the entire planet be affected as we're watching it right now. Oh, you can talk about the old world and you can talk about history, you know, and throughout Europe or you can, but you still have a segmented experience that's only recorded in the historical na- narrative by by the scholars throughout the generation. But for the first time in human history, we are witnessing an entire planet coming out under the influence of a global reset, is what they're calling a global push to eradicate the true Jesus Christ from the public square and replace it with an ecumenical expression of the Antichrist, his system of both political, military, and religious expression. And God draws our attention to his people. And says there's two classes now. And what appears to be something crazy is actually my my spirit preserving the best
0: of the best. <laughs> my Lord. Now check this out. So <laughs> that's how
1: chapter 24 begins, right? The two baskets of things. And they're set before the temple. Like we were just talking about, the timing is eerie. Because the two baskets that are set before the temple, they reveal the time of the vision. That's important. And like I said, the time of the vision that he's having occurred in the month of August. The month of Av. August. And so I'm saying, and I know this might be out there for some people, that if we are being carried in the Spirit to pay attention, it's just ironic to me that what God is beginning to reveal, like he did to Jeremiah in the month of, the, of August, the same is happening now. We need to uh, 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 pay attention to something now because that's happening at the same time as it did then. Why? Because there's, there's feasts that are coming, very prophetic feasts that are upon us. The Feast of Trumpets, the 10 Days of Awe, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. It's quite conceivable that the timing of all this is telling us something. That the, the fulfillment of these feasts are about to begin. They're just ahead of us. And Jeremiah began to see the distinction in the month of August. After the captivity, he began to understand. It occurs just before, like I said, the Feast of Trumpets, the 10 days of awe, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, some of you might not know anything about that, but we'll discuss it either to you know tomorrow probably we'll get into a little bit more lord willing and remember it was only a three-month period of jeconiah when this occurred it was a very short time one that uh rescued in essence the people who would be protected from the eventual destruction of judah jerusalem and the temple they came under judgment but it was for their correction remember they were all being corrected the good and the bad. You know, it was a judgment that they were carried away. But that was for their good, God said, right? That's what we read in verse 5, Brother Jeremy? Can you read that again? Yes. 24, 5? Yes.
0: Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the chaldeans for their good for their good
1: <clears throat> what that you know to the to the untrained gentile mind that just uh, how could that be but god is talking to people who understand what he's saying and what he, when he says it's for your good they they hear like like we know now in the scriptures that that no chastening right or no correction appears to be a happy thing right Uh, like paul said i think is paul wrote it or or james wrote it It sounds like james but i think it might have been paul but he said that but if we're being corrected we're actually being received as children of the most high god and if we're not corrected and and left without correction which ultimately results in total cataclysm and judgment then we're really not his children, but he always corrects his children. With the exception of Daniel and and Ezekiel and and those godly few that went with them, all the people in some sense, even though they're called the best of the best, all of them had been living in a compromised way. There were idols. There were things they were participating in. They weren't as bad as those that were left behind or those that, that, you you know, but, but they still had to get that idolatry out of them.
0: Oh, man,
1: I tell you what. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. Listen, that's what's happening. He's taking his real church and he's trying to correct us right now. He's trying yeah. to get us to open our eyes and realize why has our country come under this scrutiny? Why has it been allowed now? and what is happening and what you are witnessing if you have any spiritual quality about you is a separation between the real and the false and the false is wrapping itself in some pseudo uh, christian uh, almost idolatrous patriotism in the american flag and it's running around identifying itself with political parties and it's trying to you know assert its rights and it's completely blind to the fact that what god is actually saying And what he's actually doing is trying to correct his people. Yes. Those who resist, they're going to be left behind. Notice what he said in verse 5. He took them out of this place. He removed them from the whole culture of it. And it's an act of his correction. See, they were preserved and would become the ones a generation later, who would return to the New Jerusalem, they would be let out it's 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 a type of, of of the rapture of of coming into you know into our promise. But when they came out, brothers, never again will you read of national paganism, heathenism, and idolatry of the captivity. God got it out of their system. Ah oh, come on mm, somebody. Mm, mm. <laughs> he's coming for a glorious church he's trying to to remove the idolatry of their heart because he loved them they weren't so given to to the horrible you know darker things but yet they had things that had to be corrected and that's why he sent daniel and ezekiel and hananiah mishael azariah with them so that they would have, a, they're, they're symbolic of, of of a pure word, of a prophetic word. Not only that, man, Daniel would have insights of, of everything that had to do up until the second coming of the Lord. See, you don't hear what I'm saying, but I pray the Spirit of God tells you, because that's what's happening right now. We're being corrected. God's children are being corrected, and they're beginning to have an inkling that that might be what's happening to us. The other half, and I throw myself in the us. Because I know in whom I have believed, and I know what he's saying. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that in pride or anything, but let me tell you something. I've got some, you know, I've got some bruises on my behind, I tell you what. <laughs> and I've needed them <laughs> over the years. But but he, he He does that to to rid us of the things that are hindering us from being the kind of people that he will give a heart to know him. That's what he goes on to say in verse 7, right? I'm going to give them a heart to know me. What he's talking about there is when this is all said and done, my church is going to be completely prepared to enter into a new Jerusalem. And and the heart that I will give them will be free of idolatry, free of corruption, free of of sinful imaginations, free of, of hidden practices that are hindering me from flowing into their life in the fullness of the capacity that I desire to reveal myself to them. And because I love them so much, in the midst of this judgment, which is much more complicated and further involved than we've ever comprehended, I'm going to keep them up underneath this. I'm going to take the best of the best of them, including prophets who can give them light and understanding. And I'm going to bring them under the correction of my hand so that when I'm done with them, they will be that glorious bride. They will be the preserved and they will be the ones that I plant and will not pluck up. They will be the ones that I will build up. They will be the ones that I will bring again to Jerusalem. Only in our case, it's going to be
0: that new city, the new Jerusalem my lord (laughs) hallelujah what was going to be left behind what would be left behind
1: is symbolic of that compromised church right (laughs) they're going to come under this judgment it speaks of separation right can you read verse 2 and 3 to us real quick uh, brother jeremy
0: so so what you're saying is that this liberal agenda that's taking place in our nation is really meant for our correction or to, to yes, bring sir. light to things that we have hidden in our hearts. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Precise.
1: And that some will understand it and those who fight against
0: it... Some yeah. Yes.
1: They're the bad figs. Listen to how he describes this that's verse. True. two and that's three. Read it is...
0: Because that's what's happening is the preachers are fighting against it, and if they would just study what we're reading, they would probably connect the dots and say, "Wait a minute, you know, should we be fighting this 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 thing that is uprising, or is God in it because of the sin of of of, of the nation and in particular, the church, you know? But what what are they doing? You know, they're 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 grabbing arms or getting arms like pure, and they and, and they they." they they're cutting off ears, right, so to speak. But uh, yes. what what was supposed to happen to Christ was you supposed to go to the cross, right? But Peter uh, was unaware go. of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he, oh, and he was resisting the very will of God. <laughs> gonna, we we so won't trying, have nobody left come... in this church,
1: brother. I tell you. <laughs> 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 like it's just gonna be us yeah. three.
0: <laughs> so
1: you can say that. The are guy. under the
0: spirit of Peter right now, right? That's and, right. Some, and, and there, Some and yeah, yep. Most, <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. See, they, they they could not conceive. Judah could not conceive. Like Brother Jeremy said, it was unfathomable that in their thinking, in their distorted thinking, it was unfathomable that God would ever judge Jerusalem, ever let anything bad happen to His temple. Ever bring his chosen people right (laughs) under judgment? No way. Yes. Couldn't happen. We're we're his favorite. Oh my God! It sounds just like us today. You know Mm -hmm. that that's that's what that that that's what that's what what half the church because there's two baskets right half the church can't get their mind around it right now. What they don't understand, what we're beginning to see quite possibly, is that it's begun. A captivity is well underway, and, yeah. and 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 that the prophetic time clock has begun. It's ticking. I'm not setting dates. I'm not saying we're in the tribulation or anything like that. But we're headed there, and it could very well be we're 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 approaching the the threshold of it. We're in the begin- We're definitely have for many years, and and it's been increasing. Have already entered into the beginning of sorrows that Jesus talked about, the birth pangs. But we're in between there somewhere, and and that, and that's why that's why Jeremiah wrote it the way that he did, because read right. verse
0: two and three, would you, brother Jeremy. Yes, as we hurry here. <laughs> One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten; they were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seeest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Fig. The good things, very good, and the evil, very evil, They cannot be eaten, they are so evil.
1: My goodness, he says evil three times there, you know. And and, and, and what he's beginning to do is make a distinction between the captivity and, and the leadership that will be left over. One will be public, one will be out of sight and removed. He's hiding his church, brothers and sisters. Yeah trying to hide his church those guys that are out there filing lawsuits and you know demanding their first amendment rights and all that kind of stuff you know what they're doing right now they're making it worse because when they lose the ability to influence or even you know stomp their feet and claim their rights where were you 10 years ago where were you five years ago for goodness sakes where were right. you in 1973 when they p- passed the abortion rights and killed two million babies a year up till now? Where were you then? No. Right. But right now you're, you're acting like you're martyrs for Jesus. You have no idea. All you're doing is bringing the wrath of the devil down on you because that's what's coming. Because mm. as soon as they get right. in power, in fullness, they're coming after you. And you're going to have to give an, a reason why you allowed your children that you led and your leadership brought them under captivity. They will be slain before your eyes. And that's My the God. last thing you're ever going to remember. I
0: got mm-hmm. it. We, we have to pay attention. What, you know, what you're teaching, Bill Marty, uh what all of us are, are talking about is what God through Jeremiah is asking of his people because that is the very same thing that God is asking of us today. That's what we're saying. That's what we're talking about, the parallel. Pay attention to what God is asking of his people. And, and even though it may seem like, you know, the word, right, unfathomable, but that's the very thing that God is asking yes. of us in this hour. And, and I think, you know, in, as we, we're studying all of this, and this is what you're saying we cannot lose sight of that. Because if 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 the parallel fits here what, what Jeremiah is saying and we're we're making a parallel to what's going on today, God is asking the same thing of us in this hour. So is God so we have to ask ourselves, is God telling us just like you guys are saying, to go fight for our rights <laughs> or or to open up our churches? Is that is that what we're we're fighting for so that we can have, you know, concerts or whatever? No. He's preparing us. We are in. It's not going to happen. It's already begun. It's it's started already. We are in these exact days here in America. So I just wanted to say to you that are listening is pay attention to what God was asking uh, through Jeremiah of the people to do because it's the very same thing that he's asking of us in this hour. So I, I just wanted to point that out.
1: Amen. And that's right, brother. And that's why Jeremiah goes on
0: in verse 4. Can you read verse 4? Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying...
1: All right. So he says, again. So, so what he's revealing here is the first thing I saw were two baskets of figs. We've identified the time frame. It's August. It's when the figs are harvested and they're presented before the Lord. It's a type of two churches being presented up under captivity, up under the spirit of, of foreshadow of the Antichrist, Nebuchadnezzar, and the and the global system of Babylon, the Babylonian empire of that day. And, and And that's what he first sees. But then when he says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, he's literally indicating that he saw the baskets first. He saw the separation. He began to recognize the figs as being good and the others as being evil, very evil. He says it three times. And then it's like there's a pause. And then comes the revelation of what it Mm -hmm. is that he's been meditating on. Because really that's what's been happening to us. Again, remember, he identifies it as the time that Jeconiah and and all the good of the best of the best were taken captive as being Nisan. Because that's what what we talked about. It it was during the Passover season, the Easter season. We're looking at parallels. And, And it's not until... Several months later in August that he begins the unfolding of what he saw um what it means. And so it, it indicates that a period between the, the 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 Passover or Easter season and up until the end of August, there was there was a time of contemplation in there by the prophet that culminated in this in this symbolic discussion of two baskets. Of fruit, because what he's talking about is he sees a basket of good fruit. Now understand that that it's it's <laughs> it's after the captivity. So what God was speaking to him about was the fact that the good fruits are all in one basket, and the bad fruit figs are all in another basket. God was trying to tell his prophet, "I have separated. I've begun the process of separating that which I am bringing to myself, my true church, the best of the best." We already went down that list of who these people were, and the bad. And so what is happening, as we parallel it prophetically, is a separation is taking place right now in the body of Christ, the real from the false. And so after he begins to see that, he begins to understand, and then he tells us in verse 4, again, here comes the revelation. Now read that to us. Verse 5 through 7, because the first thing, again, as we've discussed that he says, now I get it. And he begins to explain what
0: God is saying
1: in the midst of the captivity.
0: Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good.
1: This is God's doing, right?
0: Whom I yeah. have sent out. Go ahead. Encouraging. For I will set my eyes upon them for good.
1: And Holy I will bring
0: them again to this land. Lord I will you. build them and not pull them down. And I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me. That I am the Lord. That they shall be my people. And I will be their God. But But they shall return unto me with their whole heart.
1: Not part of their heart. Not most of their heart. But this is a people completely, absolutely devoted to God once he finishes what he's doing to work on them. That's the type of what's happening to the church in this hour, to those that are hearing what God is saying. The Spirit of God is dealing with, with his people right now. The question is, are you going to be in the basket of good things or are you going to go on to destruction and absolute utter blindness following the Hananiah false prophets of the world, the Bethels, the Hillsongs, go down the list, the Mike Bickles, the IHOPs, whatever you want to call it, all of it. They're leading the people over the cliff. But God is saying, I'm gathering a people in the midst of this and when I get done with them, they won't be serving me with part of their lives. They will have a full revelation of who I am. And they will be serving me with my, with their whole heart. And then he turns to the evil figs. And this is, we won't dwell on this too, too long, but just for a couple minutes, we need to talk about this. And I already mentioned it a little bit. Verse 8 through 10, and we'll close, Brother Jeremy.
0: And as the evil figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely, thus saith the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princess and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. And I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, <clears throat> to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence among them, till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. My goodness. So in
1: August, he begins to understand even more fully what's happened, what was happening, and, and what would happen to Zedekiah and the rest, right? We've talked briefly about this. This stealth church, if you will, this hidden church, being being divinely protected by God in what seems to be a horrible thing that's happening to them, and 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 consequently we're paralleling it to what we're seeing in our in our country right now because they are types. We've talked about this many many times. Paul said to pay attention to what happened to them in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, in in, in the judgments, to learn from them. The apostles told us to go back and study those prophetic scriptures because there's light. For the people that find themselves at the end of the world, at the end of the age, at the transitioning and the final conflict between light and darkness. That's what we're seeing here. But there's coming a separation of a false and a true. And we've begun to see it. And so what he concludes with is the bad figs, right? And he addresses Zedekiah. Notice what he calls him. He calls him the king of Judah. He was installed in his princes. In jeremiah the good figs are called the princes of judah in 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 zedekiah's reign they're just simply called his princes they're not even they're not even real you know they just carry around a royal moniker so what's left behind is is these bad evil figs that's what he calls them evil figs and 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 then again if you can see this what, what begins to happen and what, what we're saying is quite conceivably about to happen is what will happen to them. What I'm telling you should be encouraging to the true body of Christ because God seems to be indicating a, 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 a divine protection even in the middle of being surrounded by a Nebuchadnezzar Antichrist imposition of a global state which is which is broken forth on our planet even now, this captivity, the best of the best, as God defines best and good, are going to be protected. And, and and what's being weeded, oh, this is scary stuff, but I mean, what's being weeded out is the false that remains in Jerusalem, in Judah, in the temple. But it's not going to stay that way. He says, I'm going to deliver them, in verse 9, to be removed into all the kingdoms. Well, how's that a parallel, Brother Marty, for our time? What this seems to be indicating is that they're going to be brought out into that Antichrist system and integrated fully into it. And it's for their own hurt. And, and what should have been a reproach is what they're, I mean, what should have been a, a a blessed church is now a corrupted church. And now it's going to become nothing more than a reproach, a proverb, a taunt, a curse in everywhere that they'll be scattered. And notice the three things he says will be indicative of their judgment. The sword, famine, and well, pestilence, right? Plagues, shortages of food. And 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 violence is coming against them, until they be consumed from off the land. You know what happened to Zedekiah, right? When judgment finally came to Jerusalem, the captivity was safe, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they took Zedekiah and his children, and they dragged them yeah. before that antichrist. Yes, and, and he slayed his children, right before his eyes. And then they burned his eyes out and put him in chains. And so the only thing that he would ever remember is what he did. He prefigures that in time corrupt leadership and the children that they have led to the very place that we find ourselves in right now. And they will be judged. And the last thing that they will remember is watching what their false and corrupted leadership led that flock that they were entrusted with because they did not understand the times they did not understand what God was doing they were so far away they kept preaching revival and prosperity and reject this whole thing that's going on but they didn't have character equal What they desired Which was a move of God and a deliverance of God They refused to repent And all that was left All that they had done All that they had produced Was slain And will be slain before them God is going to clean His house And the horror of it all Is that the Zedekiahs in this hour That's the last thing they're going to see And then they will be led captive in a sense, they will be in chains the rest of their lives, lamenting what they failed to do, and it'll be too late. But God's people, he promised, that's what Jeremiah was saying, the good figs, because I'm going to bring them to my land. I'm going to bring them to that new Jerusalem and a glorious temple that would be built by my son, right? Listen, Jeremiah had this vision and this understanding was given to him in the month of August. I'm just dramatic enough to believe that that's why God is revealing this word to us in the month of August. (laughs) But what's really symbolic, right, is that after this first fruits of the figs in the month of August comes the feasts, the feast of trumpets, the 10 days of awe, the day of atonement, and then the feast of tabernacles. And quickly, I'll just say this, the blowing of the feast of trumpets, it was meant to be an alarm to those that were in the field that that <laughs> that the harvest was coming to an end and what they were doing in the field they would blow these trumpets all over israel and it would signal that the harvest was coming to an end and it would let the people in the in the field that were harvesting it would cause them to work harder mm. because they only had a limited time to bring in a harvest this all happened around the august late august early september And I think what God is telling us and telling you out there, we have but a short time, whether it's several months or a couple years, I don't know. I just know it's short. And that those trumpets are getting ready to be blown to alert us that time uh, for the harvest, the summer harvest is coming to an end. That God is giving us insight, opening his word, revealing his secrets to us. If you can hear it, if you can see it, and those of you that are spiritual, I know you can. And he's telling us we have to hurry because the trumpets are about to alert us that the harvest is ending. And when the Feast of Trumpets is over, when that those trumpets cease to blow, there is no more harvest. Then comes the 10 days of awe. These are 10 days of deep sorrow and reflection and intensity. It's a, it's a, It prefigures the tribulation and the great tribulation period. And then it culminates with the Day of Atonement, which is when God uh, would deal with his people and the high priest would have to go in there and offer blood on the altar uh, of, a, of a spotless lamb once a year and God would would either forgive or, or judge the nation. But it represents the wrath of God. A Day of Atonement is coming. A Day of Reckoning is coming to this world. But those that have been taken out from it, Those who are hearing, those will be supernaturally protected. Oh, there will be, because the scripture has revealed to us times of trouble and persecution. They're already here, but they're going to increase in a greater sense across the West, especially in this country. There will be those appointed unto that glorious thing of of having to stand and lay down your life for the cause of Christ. And there's those who won't. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm preaching the Bible to you. That's what it says. That's the problem in this country, is that the true, full gospel has not been preached. And so when persecution arises for the gospel's sake, immediately people will fall away. They will fall away because they were never given the truth. And those false Zedekiah-type leadership people, that's what they're going to see. They're going to see that everything they built themselves on, on their false doctrine, their false promises, their self-centered, narcissistic, little tap dance messages that do nobody any good, had no power to rescue the sheep that they were entrusted with in the most crucial moment, quite conceivably, in this nation's history. But God has his people and he will keep you safe. The trumpets are about to be blown. Summer's coming to an end. It's very symbolic. We must reach out to our neighbors. We must reach out to our loved ones. We must reach out to as many people as we can and do what we can. And if you'll just simply do it, God's spirit will be with you and you'll you'll be able to rescue some. Remember, uh, I think Brother Jeremy mentioned it earlier, it was yesterday's podcast, when Joshua came into Jericho and the walls were about to come down, when judgment was about to come down on that city, there was there was a Rahab in there. And, and they told her, you go get everybody that you love. Go get everybody you can. And you bring them in your house. And you hang this little scarlet, <laughs> this little hallelujah. scarlet red rope, symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ. You go bring them into your house. And when we blow the trumpet, And the walls come tumbling down, we'll make sure that everybody in your house will be protected while God judges the rest of the city, a type of what's coming on this earth. Go get them and bring them into your house, child of God. God will be with you. God will be with you, and he will give you favor. Life and death is at stake here. I know this is heavy. Those of you who have started listening to us several months ago, most of you don't even know who we are, but... But my brothers can tell you about me. I'm not some, you know, hyper-legalistic, denominational, you know, Puritan out here. God saved my soul, man. I was I was the man from Gadara. I was the long-haired hippie walking barefooted everywhere I went, smoking dope and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I was the craziest of the crazy. So when you hear me talking like this, it's because God showed me some things about me. And he rescued me. So that I could tell others he's real. He loves you. And there's a glorious destiny awaiting all of us. Yeah, Just a little bit further down the road. The trumpets are being blown. Harvest is coming to an end. The tribulation and the great tribulation quite possibly is just ahead in the next months and years. It's going to happen quickly. But the wrath of God will be poured out. And we have this promise, right, that the children of God are not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through Christ our Lord. Soon and very soon, we're going to hear the shout of a king. And he's going to call us away. And we will be with him forever. And then the end shall come. And we will dwell with him in tabernacles with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like Jesus said. And we will be his people. We will know him. And we will serve him with all our heart, And we will have forever and ever <laughs> to thank him that he loved me enough to save my soul on Calvary. And he purchased my redemption in his precious blood. We were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. So hurry, church. Do what you got to do. Jesus is coming soon. We love you, and we'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Brothers, any thoughts as we close?
0: Powerful. You know, like like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away, captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place. Let's continue. Let's continue to be obedient to the word of God. I believe God has spoken in a mighty way today to the hearts of those that are listening and uh, keep this word inside of you. Study it and and go into the book of Jeremiah. God is speaking to us. We pray that you have been blessed today. We pray that uh, you have received something from the Lord today. I know you have if your eyes and your ears were open. And we pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue to study, uh, I believe, the book of Jeremiah. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.